0: Now, back on the show today, we have Wendy Rose Williams, and this time Wendy is going to be channeling Mary Magdalene, and Mary wanted to come on through this channel to kind of set the record straight on all the misinformation that has been spoken about her over the years. This is an explosive one, guys, so let's dive in. I'd like to welcome back to the show returning champion, Wendy Rose Williams. How you doing, Wendy?
2: I'm doing great.
0: How are Thanks you for doing? having
2: me, Alex.
0: Thank you so much for coming back on the show. I think the last time we spoke, uh, I said that you had so much to talk about that we couldn't uh, we couldn't do it all in just one conversation. <laughs> and and you did so many different things that uh, this channel we're going to be talking about specifically all your uh, this conversation we're going to talk about your channeling and everything that we do in channeling. So uh, my first question is, what was your life like before? The channeling before that 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 world opened up to you
2: before the channeling, and I came to that quite reluctantly, as I think a lot of individuals do. We have to be uh, pushed and pushed and shoved into the right direction at times. It's quite interesting how can we resist. But before the spiritual awakening, before I agreed to channel, which came a couple years later, just conservative everyday average life very busy uh, working mother uh, and then a very busy single mother uh, and her daughters were only six and eight when we divorced so there just was a lot going on I was not expecting the spiritual awakening that came up Um, it was about six years later when my daughters were 12 and 14 and I did not expect the channeling the way the channeling arose and to find that there was a soul contract that I'd agreed to do this. And I was going, what, (laughs) surprise. Uh But when you think about it, aren't some of the things that are the most wonderful in life? It might be a shock at first, but as we settle into it, it can be like, oh my goodness, what what a privilege, what a pleasure as I got further into it. So what happens specifically Multiple people, wonderful healers, psychics, intuitives, people that I hadn't known before, were starting to come up to me and to say, Do you need help? I know you've got a massive past life release going on. I know you don't want to perhaps accept or talk about who you were, but can I help you? I'm here to help you. And these were people I barely knew some of them. It was literally the first meeting with them. And what they were trying to help me with was my past life as Mary Magdalene. That was not a life I wanted to accept or step into. And I'm, I'm a bit chagrined at this point now that it's been about 10 years and then about two years into that process of slowly accepting, yes, I do have this past life. And this makes so much more sense of so many things. And I was just healing by leaps and bounds as I was stepping to the plate and saying, yes, this, this is what, this is what happened. And then what started coming up was a spiritual teacher I was working with at the time she asked me as gently as possible, do you know that you're meant to be a channel for three different um, ascended masters? And I'm looking at her like, Whoa, that sounds like the advanced curriculum. I do not remember signing up for that, Mm -hmm. but again, it made perfect sense. It's Mary Magdalene it's Yeshua Ben Joseph and it's mother Mary. And I then Alex I so wanted to do it right it's like this is not some obscure river god who I would still want to channel accurately and well but I thought this one just has a load to it for me Mm -hmm. um, of really needing to get it right so what I did was I went and took formal channeling classes and I went slowly with them I took my time with it and it was about a two-year process Channeling classes were nothing like I thought they would be. The training was a big surprise because I thought it would be kind of like a like like how doctors train other doctors. I thought it would be kind of like the channeler would show me one, coach me through one, have me do one, critique one. It took us about a year and a half to get to that. Do you know what we worked on for the first hmm. year, year and a half? What? Balancing my ego. <laughs> And that makes perfect sense in hindsight because how else can you be a clear channel if you haven't done your own work and haven't centered yourself? Right. And what came up for me was atypical. Um, a lot of times people have a little bit, perhaps, too much excitement and want the glory and want the publicity around it, perhaps. And, you know, speaking in generalities here, I was the opposite. I was the shrinking violet from it. And I didn't have quite enough healthy ego in the sense of solar plexus being really balanced and having that self-confidence, that self-respect for it just to be natural. And that's where we had to get me, that's where we had to get me to and just balance those um, ego lessons. And we released a whole bunch of past lives along the way of why I was so reticent to speak um, from having been um, harmed or threatened or having had my family harmed or threatened for it before from channeling, from being a prophet, uh, from being an advisor to you know kings and wealthy individuals and a lot of that off with their head <laughs> energy. If they A, either didn't like the message There was so much shoot the messenger Mm -hmm. in the old days and just, you know, blaming when they didn't like the message or energy changes constantly. Mm -hmm. And you can do your very best to forecast, Okay, here's where I think you should put the troops for what's going on in this battle. Here's what I think you need to do to protect your lands and to win this war. And when that prophecy wasn't always correct, um, you know, that that could be the end of things. So there was just a lot of history of me not wanting to speak up.
1: So this
0: was not uh, a thing that all of a sudden was gonna thrust upon you. You were actively courting this ability, courting this channel.
2: It took me a while to get there. I tried to uh, deny it. I tried to shrink from it. Um, And that caused a lot of health problems. Mm. And I started to realize, okay, there's a correlation here. And when we don't embrace the life that we're meant to be living and when we're not on our path, we very often end up with health problems, financial problems, relationship problems, and just have to really look at what do I need to be doing differently? Is there something I'm avoiding here? Is there something I'm doing too much of? Is, are there places I'm not stepping to the plate Um, And also, there was a lot of, there used to be, I think channeling has become so much more accepted, even the last two years, the last five years, Mm -hmm. it's become so much more accepted and understood, because we used to be burned at the stake for it, you know, we used to be imprisoned for it. And because I have such a deep, active memory of my past lives, it was tripping me up. So, and you have to remember that was then this is now you've got to be mindful. You've got to be in the moment and look at the reality was no one was threatening me. I was just scaring myself.
0: (laughs) Generally the way it works in life. We do. We're our worst enemy.
2: Was it Roosevelt who said there's nothing to fear, but fear itself. Yeah. And it's very true. We, we create that construct of we know what's going to most terrify us. That's why if you read, a well done suspense book or horror um, or thriller, you're filling in what scares you the most. That's why it's always more effective and more terrifying than whatever's put on the screen, at least for me, because the screen is someone else's best depiction, mm-hmm. but um, you, know, you, don't, you don't know what's gonna really um, make someone else have to deal with their own stuff.
0: Right, <laughs> oh, it's the their own baggage. The Hitchcockian way of doing things is don't show the murder, have the murder happen behind a closed door and you imagine.
2: Pan away, pan away, because the person will fill in something more terrifying,
0: but perfect. Much worse, much, much worse than you could, that could ever be put on screen. No question about it. So when
1: it started to happen, what was your... We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. How did you process
0: it? Because this is not an easy thing to process when you start hearing either voices in your head or channeling these kind of energies through you. There has to be an acclimation period as well, I'd imagine.
2: There definitely was. And I was fortunate to take, I was actually, and this is quite unusual. The spiritual teacher was kind enough. She knew my budget was super tight and to do the one-on-one classes with her was beyond my budget. And she kindly uh, let me. I had a very close friend at the time who was at the same point of being reticent to step forward with her channeling abilities. And so we actually became a group class of two for most of the classes. Yes, we had to do some some private private work too because of you know, things that just came up that were so personal. But that's where my river God little joke came from because my friend, um, was channeling uh, St. Francis, which made perfect sense because she's an animal communicator, and animal healer. Mm-hmm. And she was also channeling this obscure river God. So the moment we found out who we don't both agreed to, to channel, I just looked right at her and I'm like, can I trade Jesus for the
0: obscure river God? It's <laughs> less pressure, less pressure, less pressure.
2: Exactly. And we just all burst out laughing. <laughs> It's like how soul contracts work. And it just makes such perfect sense. And it's so natural because Yeshua is with Mary Magdalene, the ascended master, with Mother Mary, the Ascended. They they just come in so naturally as a family. And you just have to, you just have to put aside, you know, anything else and just say that this is family. I've been part of this family. It's the most natural thing in the world.
0: And what and then when you finally got accustomed to the whole channeling thing and and decided to go public with it. What was the reaction of your friends family, people around you?
2: It was it was it was a very quiet thing. There wasn't this big a public splash. It wasn't this big announcement. I simply just started doing it naturally because sometimes I could feel them wanting to come in and they have such wisdom. They have such love, such compassion. The Ascended Masters are amazing and just sometimes, so it wasn't like go off and meditate for an hour and a half, make sure I can vibrate off the bed to be able to give them that. It would just pop right out of my mouth and Mother Mary, she has a particular energy sign. I can feel, I can tell the three of them apart, of course. We've each got a unique energy signature. But because their vibration is so high, with Mother Mary especially, I'll just get one single tear. will just roll down from my right eye. And that's just, that's just the way she arrives with me. Um, and Mary Magdalene, I feel her put this beautiful mantle, like a cloak, um, over me. And Yeshua, I, it just he has such a unique, gentle yet powerful, approachable. I, I just can't describe his energy. It just makes me smile from ear to ear. And I always know when it's when it's him. So it just, it just, it wasn't like a lion roaring at all. It was more like a mouse squeaking. Uh, it was, you know, in very, very small, subtle ways. Eventually I did put it on my website. That I offered sessions with Magdalene. Um, but because I still had some inner healing work to do, a uh, very few people um, asked for them. And that, that was a reflection of me because I wasn't quite I wasn't quite comfortable and confident with it. And then it did get to the point where people would just ask me in, um, in general conversation, you know, friends that knew, and they would say, Wendy, you know, it feels like Magdalene's here, or could you please ask Magdalene and can you just tell us right now, me and you know that person individually, or there'd be a small group of us um, in person, either face to face or phone to phone. And I would just tune in and, and do that. Um, and then I did start um, on a couple of on a couple of Zoom calls on podcasts. So bit bit by bit. Mm-hmm. And I did have one really funny, funny experience. I hosted a a traditional radio show for a while on KKNW uh, 1150 AM, which is Seattle's um, alternative talk, talk radio. And one particular show that, and I would always go through a pretty big prep to get ready to be on air, and I was channeling Magdalene. And when I channel Magdalene, I don't, I, I partially, I raise my vibration, she lowers hers and I partially um, leave my body. Sometimes it's a fully um, unconscious because there's different levels of channeling. But I would then have to kind of wait on pins and needles to hear the radio show because I didn't know what I'd said because it was Magdalene. But this one certain day, the topic was sacred sexuality. And I had this great um, friend who was a PhD and just a great person who was a sexologist And she was going to be the topic or was going to be the guest that day. And I got to the radio and she was down in California. I'm in Seattle. I get to the radio station, and I could feel this weird. I'm like, why is my throat so choked up? What is going on? I knew Archangel Gabriel was with me. I knew Mary Magdalene was with me. Well, they were duking it out of who was going to speak that day. It was hysterical because usually it was just Magdalene, but I do work with Archangel Gabriel a lot, um, just being over communication. And so I'm sitting there with the producer and all that equipment in you know a big radio station. And he announces me to go on air and I'm like, I like, can't get anything out. So I'm like holding my script up to him of what I was going to say first. And he just seamlessly kind of stepped in and said the first sentence or two. And I'm in my mind saying, whatever's going on, work it out now.
0: Right. The (laughs) show must go on. The show, the show must, must go on.
2: And I downed like almost a whole huge water bottle trying to like clear my throat. It was just the funniest. And then I did speak with my spiritual teacher afterwards. I said, what happened? She said, oh, that's fascinating. It was it was the two of them. They're like, I want to speak. I want to speak.
0: Well let me ask you because you were speaking about energy and them coming into your body. And I've heard this from other channels that I'm assuming that you had to prepare the body to receive this kind of energy because if not, it's kind of like blowing a circuit. Uh, like you yes. couldn't handle the voltage, if you will. So that year and a half, two years, you were kind of building. That is
2: a fabulous question. You're exactly right. And that was the work we were doing. We were working to upgrade my circuitry. It's like being a little old 30 amp generator. And now you need to be a 200 amperage for the full house. Right. So that's exactly it. So you need to be healing and releasing the things that don't serve you anymore. You need to be working on your health um, and your your body, you know, in any and all ways and just, just preparing because you want to bring through as pure an essence as you can. And their vibration is simply much higher.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly. Well, let me ask you, do you think uh, Mary Magdalene would like to come in and, and talk a little bit?
2: Absolutely. She's been planning it since since you uh, broached that possibility when we last spoke a couple of weeks ago. So absolutely.
0: Yes, All right, great. I would love to have it. And how do you get it? And for everybody uh, watching? How do you come in? And how do you go out? Sure.
2: So what you're going to see me do, you're going to see me just close my eyes, you're going to see me just kind of settle down and ground my energy. And you're going to see me just ask her, you may hear me <laughs> muttering a little bit as I ask her to come in and ask her to be a clear channel. I will do it eyes closed, so just so you can make that distinction of to know it's it's her speaking. She usually comes in and she'll simply say, "I'm here," or "This is Mary," or "This is Magdalene." She'll usually just say one of those three things. So okay. we'll we'll see if that's what she does today. All right, thank so you. So let's get started. Just grounding my energy, centering myself, inviting in ascended master Mary Magdalene. I am here. This is Mary. Alex, I'm so happy to speak with you. What would you like to speak about?
0: Uh, Thank you so much for doing this, uh, Mary. My first question to you is, what is the biggest misconception about your life that you would like
1: to set the record straight? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: Oh, I so appreciate that question. Thank you. The biggest misconception is, was what my identity was. I was fortunate to be a beloved daughter, and sister, and friend, and wife, and aunt, and sister-in-law. In many ways, that wonderful life for me was about the familial relationships I didn't really care very much to get involved with the politics. We lived in very dangerous times in which a large portion of our population was enslaved. Uh, But my role, simply put, was I became uh, Yeshua's wife and the mother to two of his children. I also was married previously and I had known Yeshua since since childhood, so it was a dream come true that we were able to to marry and to have some uh, wonderful years together, uh, despite the uh, harsh ending.
0: Um, during during Yeshua's uh, growth uh, to become a walking master what when did you actually begin to walk the path with him in the spiritual journey that he was on and where did where did he go where did you go during that essentially those 30 years that he was gone
2: From that's the a fantastic From- question yes we um i went to the i was my my parents died um when i was quite young And my older sister, Marta, and my older brother, Lazarus, uh, took over over raising me in our family home. And we were were neighbors um, to the uh, Ben Joseph. So Mother Mary, Jesus' mother, Yeshua's mother, also took over. She's here, got that single tear going down the right eye. Um, She took over um, helping uh, also raise me and mother me. I opened my Kundalini incredibly young um, in that age, at, at, in that lifetime. And Mother Mary had a relationship with the Temple of Isis um, at Philae in Egypt. So the decision was made with, with my agreement and with my uh, older brother and sister agreeing that I should go study at the Temple of Isis So I was there from the ages of about nine to 19. Uh, Yeshua and I had already made our agreement that we planned to marry um, when we were adults, when we had finished our training. We both were very clear that we needed to, to part and that he would need to go do extensive training. He trained in India, he trained in Egypt, he trained many, many places to be able to do the magnificent work that he did. We reunited when I was 19 and I was uh, gathering, it was, my, it was my day, it was my turn to go gather the water uh, from the well right outside the temple. And he was studying at one of the Egyptian temples for men. So we had our surprise reunion Uh, outside of that well. We had not seen one another in 10 years. And we agreed at that time, yes, we still want to marry, uh, but we need to wrap things up in a tidy way. So I gave notice and was replaced at the Temple of Isis and had to work my way home. And don't forget, we're not just jumping on planes 2,000 years ago. So had to uh, work my way, my way home. He had to do the same. And when we were both back home, uh, things went in a very uh, different direction, but I'll stop at that point. Is that, is that clear? Is that making sense? Do you have questions to that?
0: Yeah. It makes all the sense in the world. What was the, what were the biggest challenges with your spiritual journey as you walked it, both for you and Joshua?
2: The biggest challenge for me was how to balance having a normal life in such extraordinary times with such an extraordinary mission. I was quite psychic. Yeshua certainly was and mother mary was incredible so it really was the three of us working to hold the energy for his mission in many ways yes yes the disciples the apostles were important but don't forget they had most of them had full time jobs most of them were working to eke out a living as fishermen and had wives and children's to support So they were not with uh, Yeshua nearly as as regularly as I was. And I do say thank you uh, to the Catholic Church and to the Pope for having officially named me the 13th Apostle, because that is absolutely what I was. And I was with the man who became my husband the most and just, you know, was picking up the most of uh, his teachings and his, his, his knowledge, he never forgot who he was. He came in as, you'd use the term avatar, I think nowadays, and came in with just full knowledge of who he was as a soul. But it was very difficult to balance because we had this very um, grassroots walking ministry, very, Uh, hand to mouth um, in some ways of who would be able to house us when we were on the road who would be able to offer a meal uh, those sorts of things and that's where the misconceptions started coming up as to my identity because it was not it was not typical it was quite frowned upon for a young supposedly single woman to be traveling with a group of frankly, um, quite rough looking men. (laughs) Showering was not always at the top of our list. And it just, you know, you you got bathed when you could. And for me to be um, on the road with them in that traveling ministry, um, I had the good fortune to have family money. Um, He did not. So who do you think was funding most of that ministry? So that was another misperception is people didn't understand why and how I could have money. Well, it was simply from from my parents. It's It's just that simple. It was nothing to do with prostitution. And that's really quite a hurtful, rude allegation to imply that that's the way that a woman is earning her living. That is not... Let's set the record straight. Mary Magdalene was not a repentant whore. That is incorrect information that was dumped on her as part of blaming the divine feminine when the men worked to uh, muscle the women out um, after Yeshua's um, crucifixion, after his death. And anyone who's played hockey you know what a good hip check is. You know mm-hmm. what a good elbow check is. Uh, Wendy's Canadian, so hockey goes to her sometimes. And that's what was done to the women. They were just shoved aside, but um, they were defamed. Um, so, and in my identity as Yeshua's wife, I, I'd agreed it needed to be kept secret. It was for my own safety and protection we knew we lived in very dangerous times. We knew what might be coming um, for him, for all of us. We knew the risks we were taking. And they were conscious, they were done from love. These were decisions made from love, but they were hard decisions.
0: And you were privy to a lot of the information, a lot of the story that we know of what happened to Joshua and yourself. You and Joshua and Mary all knew what was coming, and we did what, preparing. We for did.
2: It. We'll go back in time a little bit to when I'm picture picture a nineteen year old who cannot wait to marry the love of her life. Go back to that moment coming back from the temple of Isis, and we've agreed. Yeshua was a couple years older than me. What was he? About four or five years older than me, and we we come back home and we expect to be moving forward with planning our our. Our wedding. And instead, there's this incredible curveball that comes up. And the Jewish priests were quite concerned um, that Yeshua was becoming too popular too quickly. They did not think they could control him. And John the Baptist, his cousin, was a very uh, very capable voice of God also. I mean, he was was channeling and doing some incredible things too. But realize still, we're, we're on the fringe of society. We, we are high in rank within our people, but our people are very, very
1: oppressed. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: And there's a lot of What's the best word? Okay, this is not a nice word, but it's the most accurate word. There's a lot of collusion going on between the Jewish priests and between the Roman oppressors. So instead of marrying Yeshua, uh, curveball, I am forced to marry John the Baptist, who I did not want to marry, who did not want to marry me. And that was—I did not see that one coming. Evidently, my psychic abilities weren't working on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not supposed to know everything, right? Um, and I—I I think, frankly, I would have considered running away. Um, so I—I I did what I was told to do, and it was the most joyless event you've ever seen, and. There were, it, that that wedding was an absolute spectacle. Um, there were thousands of people there, uh, but again, no no joy in it for either one of neither the bride or the groom. And think of that dynamic, because John was quite aware of who I loved, and Yeshua gets to watch me married off to his cousin. It was um quite quite an ordeal.
0: And. When you and Joshua were walking those those that decade, essentially, or over a decade since the meeting when you were nineteen, um, what Joshua was still discovering was he already discovering more and training more to do what he was able to do, or was he already? Yeah, yes and was? no.
2: He didn't. He didn't travel extensively at that point anymore. He was ready. He I, personally. I believe Yeshua was the greatest healer that's ever walked the earth. That said, the person has to be ready to heal, um, or it's or it's not going not going to work. So he was moving into his ministry in many ways of healing people hands-on. Let me tell you how we did that, because the crowds became so large, people would walk or carry their loved one there for days. So he would not stop until the last person had been tended to. We ran this triage like in a modern day emergency room. I was intake and I was always the first person that they would see and talk to and he was in the back room. And what I was doing honestly was healing many of the women and children in particular because just the way our society worked, the men wouldn't accept the healing from a woman. So, and I was also getting the person prepared um, so that they could then go in and have their time with him. And sometimes all it would take was him to ask them a kind question, say a kind word, lay a hand on them, put an arm around them because I had already done so much of, of the work sometimes Mother Mary would be with us too. And she and I would be doing the intake and we were actually doing kind of undercover healing work. And then they would go in to see um, Yeshua um, and he would he would do what he could for anyone and everyone. But it was getting to the point where it was depleting all of our energy um, right to the brink because we were starting to draw crowds of more than hundreds of people. The public speaking was different. That didn't deplete his energy the same way. I think that was more energizing for him to be able to give those wonderful um, big talks. They were not without risk. And I can tell you what I was doing at those was I was watching the crowd energetically as well as physically. And I was working to put um, protection um, around him. He, of course, had his own rituals. But I can tell you, Wendy is still a little bit um, over-vigilant today um, with how she will work to protect people around her. And we've had to do a lot of correcting with her and say, that was then, this is now. You don't need to be doing that anymore because it depletes her energy.
0: Fair enough. Now, is, is there any... What is the one thing that you think that most people misunderstood about both yourself and Jeshua as they walked the earth?
2: That there was some absolutely delightful everyday family life. Um, I had my two older siblings, as I said, um, I have re-met them. i in this lifetime as Wendy, which is amazing. I have re-met both of my parents from that lifetime. And uh, the friend I mentioned who Wendy trained with for the uh, channeling, she was Yeshua's youngest sister. So we have met many people from that play run, so to speak, from that timeline, from that lifetime, have remet um, in this lifetime. And it, it, was, it was the family and friends piece um, of what we all come here for, of just the happiest, just those happy relationships in in a body.
0: So there was, because I imagine that from the scriptures, it was all business, and I imagine that it's uh, there was day to day.
2: Exactly, exactly. But the day to day, you know, it's not as it's not as fun to report on. It's not it's not as historical record to report on. Um, but I think that's I think that's the missing part you know, having, having those three children, I had a son, um, by John the Baptist. John had already been killed at that time. And that was very incredibly traumatic and upsetting for all of us of how quickly that happened. And that again, um, they tried to blame on, uh, Salome, um, so along with one of my best friends for having done this tantalizing dance and having asked for his head on a platter. What a bunch of BS. Mm. That makes absolutely zero sense. It is not what happened. Just John was getting too powerful, so they killed him. I think that's <laughs> a, kind much of a they, simple explanation. That's, they,
0: that's kind of what they did at those times. That's, exactly. what, that's what happened to Jeshua.
2: Exactly. What you may not know is They then brought me, I'm his widow, I'm pregnant. They bring me his head in a basket to try and intimidate me and tell me to stand down, back down, be quiet, just, you know, be under their thumb. And it was horrifying, it was absolutely terrifying. But luckily, when they were gone, my common sense came in and my guides came in and said, the fact that they're trying to scare you that much means you've got some power. You just need to be very quiet about it. You need to center yourself, be very clear who you are and just keep asking for your divine guidance. So the portraits, the famous oil paintings by several masters of Mary Magdalene showing her with a crystal skull Mm. that are trying to imply she's practicing some sort of occult, witchcraft or whatever. That crystal skull is actually the head of John the Baptist. And that is him kind of trying to, you know, go all in energetically. And, you know, I've passed on now. Magdalene, Yeshua, let me help you. Um, So that's, you know, that's, that's what those oil paintings are really about that I don't think a lot of people know.
0: So many people that I've spoken to in in this show uh, have near death experiences and spiritual awakenings. Uh, They always credit Jesus or Jeshua to be there to help them to guide them through the process. Who was there for Jeshua and guiding him during his lifetime?
2: When he was passing on the cross or in general,
0: in general, and, and both,
1: actually. Like, who, sure. who guided general, him through, this, through the process, yes.
2: In general...
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now, back to the show.
2: Yeshua heard... He heard his Father. He heard his Divine Father. He heard God at a level I don't think anyone ever has. And he came in to deliver... A very beautiful, very simple message: God is love. That was simply His ministry—to just feel that love, accept that love, to be loved, to be loving and kind to one another. It's why He healed animals right and left, not just people. And I mean that really was 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 His ministry. Uh, so certainly that was going on. Uh, his his. Uh, physical parents um, mother mary and she was a virgin birth because she was able to just like his grandmother grandmother of anna we're talking generations of women who knew how to raise their vibration to such a high level that the divine spirit could come in and could physically impregnate them so kind of like it does happen in nature what is that called a hermaphrodite um, mm. i think seahorses do it when there's right. not enough males or females they can switch genders so that it's, it's, it's something similar process fair enough <laughs> but um just could raise it's it's all about vibration it's just all about the energy and so mother mary that is how she was the virgin birth but thankfully um joseph uh you know it was such a amazing helpmate and protector because she was, was shamed because this is not okay to, for a young female to be pregnant in those times and to have no husband. This is, this is a big deal. And so he, he stepped in and played that beautiful role of being uh, Jesus's father, just like uh, Jesus became uh, my, my son, um, John's father, because John, of course, did not remember his father Um, he was, you know, he was, he was killed before, before he was born. So, um, and then I did go on to have two daughters um, with Yeshua. So those three children were just um, absolutely uh, the light of my life and the light of his life, but we needed to protect the identities.
0: Why do you believe that this story has been suppressed for so many years?
2: Because there's, Beauty in it because there's power in it, because the simplicity in it of God being love and us all being a spark of the divine. This is nothing to do with religion. Religion is man made. This is nothing to do with being Jewish, Catholic, Seventh day Adventist, name any religion you want. It's nothing to do with that. You don't need a middleman. I'm not saying the churches don't do some wonderful works. They do, but um, including companionship for people who are disenfranchised and, and lonely and, and uh, stressed and whatever else can be, you know, finding finding solace there. Um, so there's community, certainly, but I think just what Yeshua said about what he accomplished and did. Any of us can do. I think he was referring without using the term the Christ consciousness. It's simply an energy, and that we could all do what he had done and more. We just have to be able to center ourselves, balance our divine masculine and feminine, and be kind to ourselves, first of all, loving to ourselves, forgive ourselves, and then just emanate that out. You know, be that to everyone around you. And get rid of all these nonsense, artificial divisions of countries and governments. And I don't like you because of the color of your skin. I don't like your accent. Um, you know the color of your eyes. Just ethnic purging. Oh my goodness! It has just gone on for millennia, and we know that the most crime and torture has happened in the name of the church and the crusades, etc.
0: Very, very true. Um, Do you have, uh, does, by the way, since I know Mary and Jeshua are with you, do they have anything to say to our audience?
2: Love one another, be very kind to yourself and just work to be in the present moment. And remember that love is the antidote to fear. It is not courage. Courage is the antidote to cowardice. Many people are feeling fear and saying, oh gosh, I need to be more courageous. I need to be braver. And then they're getting more pugilistic based on fear. Um, there's more, there's more fear factor and so much of the land grabs that go on so much of the, um, just just the inhumanity of man against man it's based on fear there are plenty of resources on this gorgeous planet there are plenty of ways uh for for us all to do well together when everyone is helping one another and i don't just mean people helping people please remember the animals please remember the trees, the water, the mountains, you know, all the aspects of what what we're here. We're getting to live on a gracious Mother Earth's body. Let's treat her as the sentient, amazing being that she is and know that she's just got to balance her energy. She's got to take care of herself. And we are going to see more, um, more, more, the words, uh, English, (laughs) more the explosions. When a a volcano, the explosion, volcanic explosions, eruptions. eruptions, thank you. We are going to see more tsunamis. We're going to see climate change. Climate change must be addressed. It's amazing how you had a vice president in the United States in Al Gore who got it so right and everyone made so much fun of him and just ignored and COVID was a big opportunity for earth to start to reverse uh, some of the issues that were going on um, with, with just too much driving, you know, too much use of gasoline, too much fossil fuels, fracking. Um, I can't even begin to understand what the purpose of fracking is. Um, it's not appropriate so we've just got to uh, live more gently with with a lighter lighter footprint and just simply be more humane to one another and some challenging times are likely coming i do not say that to cause fear i say that to just help you center into yourself look at the present moment and say i'm okay everything's fine and also There is nothing wrong with doing some emergency type prepping, but this is critical. It can't be done out of fear because that leads to these crazy stockpiling things that leads to these cults, these just branch Davidians as an example, that that leads to those types of things. I'm talking about stockpiling your basics of just, just do a kind of this, like a fun exercise. Like if you were gonna go be a boy scout or a girl scout and do some backwards camping for a month that you've never done before, if you didn't have your fresh clean water in your house coming through your taps, what would you do? Would it be good to have um, the life straw? Would it be good to have that filter straw? Would it be good to know how to uh, boil water, and purify water? Do you know how to get the water out of your hot water heater? Do you have a clean bucket? You know, what can you do for emergency water supplies? What can you do to grow some of your own food? What can you do to have some first aid supplies? What do you do for warmth if suddenly your power is gone? I do want you to understand the grid in the United States the uh, power grid, uh, the physical electric grid, it is quite fragile. And I don't think everyone understands that especially well. They just take electricity and heat and power and lights totally for granted. It's quite fragile. Um, the system is is not, not up to date. So what do you need to do? Do you need to have a camp stove? Do you need to have a generator or one of those cool new uh, power packs that are only about $200 that you can plug some extension cords into? You know, just... Just do things like that to be as self-sufficient as you can, but again, do it from a place of joy, of I'm taking care of myself, taking care of my family. I'll be able to help take care of some of my neighbors because I do think you will likely reach a time when some barter may be needed. Uh, I do think there's a moment when um, some banks may fail, some banks may go down. We're, We're already seeing a little bit of that. Would it behoove you to have some cash on hand in small bills? Would it behoove you to have a big bag of rice and a big bag of beans? Uh, you know, if you just need some emergency food and suddenly your fridge and freezer is out. Um, if you can't grow gardens on your property because you're living in an apartment, a condo, or you don't have a green thumb or you have a heavily wooded lot. Look into the hydro, hydroponic. Um, Wendy's got these neat little things called Aero Garden, and she grows so much lettuce and herbs uh, right on her kitchen countertop.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show.
2: And it's just such... Fresh food, the nutrition is fabulous. It's no more expensive and it's really fun. And it's a good thing for kids to learn too. How do you grow food? Why are you not growing more food on the tops of your hospitals, on the tops of your schools, on the tops of your high rises? People in the cities, especially, who do not have a lot of money, they need food stamps to pay for fresh fruits and vegetables. They don't have transportation and they can't get to that food, you need to be growing it on your cityscape rooftops for, um, for people. You need to have beekeeping up there. Um, they're starting to do that in some places in New York City, but you just, um, just need to get back to basics because what if your internet's down? Amazing how that just humbles people. What if your fancy dancy iPhone or Android wasn't working? How are you going to communicate? And again, I don't say this to engender fear. I say this just to encourage some emergency prepping uh, from a place of of joy and of providing for yourself and your family and thinking about how you could help those in your neighborhood. And they'll have things to help you too. Um, And just there's gonna be likely some bartering going on for, for time periods. I'm not seeing calamities happening everywhere in the world, but I think there will be situations, we've already seen them recently, where um, people were, were stranded because their credit cards uh, wouldn't work um, if they were from from um, the Russian banking system because they they got locked out um, once they had um, done the invasion. Um, so just... just um, Think, think old school. Do you know how to start a fire? You know, mm-hmm. do you have a flint? Do you have, you know, a way of just, you have to think of your local resources because this is a very different conversation for someone living, you know, really in a dense city area versus someone living more out in the suburbs or the country. And yeah. depending what country you live in, how cold does it get? How hot does it get? You know, what, what do you have available? There's a Wikipedia that you can look up about the uh, great uh, ice storm of 1998, because that ice storm um, that was in the Northeast, uh, Canada and the US, um, it lasted for over 30 days. And for people in freezing temperatures to have no power, no heat, it was a big deal. And it's it's very helpful to study that. And again, just try and have it be as uh, fun and exercise as possible. And then just let go. Just say I've done everything I can to prepare. I'm good now. I'm just going to be confident, and I'm just going to ride the wave. Um, and just, just, um, just project and think of the best, you know, the best outcomes, and just, just, just plan for that, and let everything else go.
0: Mary, thank you so much for this conversation, and for all the information, and for setting the record straight on so many things. I appreciate you so much. Thank you again.
2: Thank you. Likewise. This was my absolute pleasure. Um, and thank you for the work that you're doing, Alex. It's very important. And we're very uh, pleased that you, you stepped to the plate so willingly. Um, it's, just, it's just a big deal with the communications that you do. So we are with you um, all the time and we'll just continue to, to help. So thank you. I'm going to just bring Wendy back in and just give her a second to orient here. How okay. Are you?
0: <laughs> how are you doing Wendy
2: I'm just I'm like why did I put eyeliner on <laughs> just their vibration is so high it just I can just I can just feel the tears it's like tears of joy to get to um to get to connect
0: I saw that I saw that the, I saw your tear come down it was pretty remarkable
2: yeah on that, Mother on that one eye
0: yeah that one yeah, that one exactly
2: tear. isn't that interesting that's just yeah. that's her energy signature for me um, yeah, you, you can't you probably unless you're unless you're clairvoyant, you probably can't see the the mantle that um, Magdalene had put over me and Yeshua was was standing and he had his um, hand on my, my left shoulder. Uh, but some people who view this, who are clairvoyant, will be able to see. So it'll be fun. It'll be fun for me to look at look at the recording and see if I can see things around me.
0: That's remarkable. No, it was a very interesting conversation, uh, to say the least, Um
2: was she especially feisty or was she
0: nice and clear? <laughs> she was uh she a uh, slightly feisty, slightly, slightly feisty. Perfect. Not, not, not too crazy, not too not too Perfect. feisty. At all. Perfect. But it was a it was eye-opening, it was an eye-open conversation to say.
2: There to had me. to be some backbone to be that individual and to do that to do that life. I think you asked a question, and I'll just answer it as me, because I remember it clearly. Um, you asked what was happening as as yeshua was going home and that was a conscious choice um he we all chose we knew it was coming that's why we had the last supper um we hid out at friends houses to have that amazing last meal together they were at some risk by letting us all gather there they were standing guard outside the house And um, we chose to go to the garden of uh, Gethsemane because it was such a beautiful place. We'd been there often. And as was the custom, the men went to pray separately from the women. And we knew he would be um, taken from there. Um, we, We chose not to resist. It was a conscious choice made out of huge love. And he chose his cousin Judas to betray him And Judas didn't understand um, what was gonna come. And I want to clear the record for Judas because that became an unfortunate expression. People will even say, oh, he's such a Judas or she's such a Judas as a betrayer. Jesus needed it to happen. He was choosing to go home um, in that humiliating, painful public way to try and calm the waters for everyone else so that there would not be huge riots because he, we were all fearing riots and that many uh, thousands of our people would have been killed. So we were just trying to tamp that energy down. And he asked Judas to point him out. Judas was paid a small fee for it and didn't know um, what, what would happen. Um, Marie wouldn't have been able to do it. Um, Judas committed suicide as a result of um, just the guilt and the shame over it. I want to assage that, I want to let that go. Uh, Judas played a role that was needed. If it hadn't been him, it would have been someone else. And he played his part right. He did it right.
0: Fair enough. But Fair it was, enough.
2: it was hard. And when we went to the cross, Mother Mary was on my right. Um, as my mother-in-law, I was on the left and we were on our knees at his feet. It was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. In any of my lifetimes, we were sending him energy and we had a lot of other people that loved him. We asked them to stay away because it was great public risk to be there. We asked the men, especially to stay away because we thought if they even twitch they're going to be killed. They're going to have more of them up on the crosses. So Mary and I were just trying to be not threatening. And we were just sending love. And we were also, I'll be honest, we were both um, arguing with him a bit and saying, this doesn't need to be a long, painful spectacle. It typically takes about three days to die on the cross. We pushing him home, we were shoving him home, we were inviting him home. And we were, doing, we were doing the dance, he and I, and we just lead the way up. And he didn't obviously have the strength or the energy to do it. And I was just leading him up. I definitely got to the point of no return because I didn't want to come back. And Mother Mary pulled me back and rightly said, Mary, you've got children. You need to attend to your children. This is not your time to go. She was the most amazing beacon of strength. I could not imagine how a mother can go through that mm. to see their beloved oldest son um, mm. be crucified. Um, but as I said, it was about a day versus about three days. And there were so many people um, sending us love and sending us energy. And that's how we did it. And we walked him home. He insisted on going home fully conscious because we were saying to him, dude, just leave your body. <laughs> you know how to, We all know how to pop right out of our body. Come on. And He's like, no, I am. He was doing the, the Lamb of God. He was asking his father to forgive them for they know not what they do. He wanted to do things. It was his death. And he chose, he chose how to do it, but um, it was obviously very, very difficult. Um, And we then had to um, run for our lives, uh, which we did.
1: We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So we
2: escaped, Um, his uncle was wealthy and had ships. and we escaped first up to uh, Egypt. We went and sheltered uh, at the same Temple of Isis at Philhay and were taken in there and then um, went from there. Um, I was <laughs> close to delivering, um, so I was heavily pregnant and we made our final move to the south of France and a little cottage had been found for me and prepared for me. And that's where I, that's where I lived out my life. Um, And had my two, I had my, um, my my son, sadly, my uh, son by John the Baptist had become estranged um, and he was, was not um, in my life. um, So, but I did have my daughter and then I gave birth to uh, my youngest daughter. So the oldest son by John the Baptist and the two youngest uh, daughters, middle child and youngest daughter by Yeshua.
0: That's, uh, I mean. It's amazing. It's really remarkable, Wendy. Um, where can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing?
2: Um, at my website. My website is wendyrosewilliams.com. And please, you're so welcome to request a complimentary 15 minute phone appointment there. See if I may be of service to you. I'd love to speak with people one on one. You can also check out my podcast. I co host with Greg Kirk, and it's called Waking Up Spiritually. And certainly via the podcast apps or the YouTube, but you can also go to wakingupspiritually.com. And it's a visual um, it's a visual podcast like yours, um, Alex. We choose to do it with PowerPoints. So um, it's just our, our way of presenting uh, the information that comes in. Also via Amazon and Audible. Just look for my full name there, Wendy Rose Williams. Uh,
0: Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the show again. I appreciate you and... The work that you're doing and, and thank you for sharing um sharing this with us today i appreciate my
2: sharing. absolute pleasure and i just want people to know uh it's all going to be okay we're all going to be we're all going to be fine uh certainly some people are passing on all the time they're going to be there's so many angels here there's so many unemployed and underemployed angels because people are not asking for help because they don't believe in it. They don't think they can get it. They don't think they can deserve it. Just be willing to ask for that divine assistance from the angels and watch your life change. It is amazing.
0: Thank you again, Wendy. I appreciate you. Thank you. I want to thank Wendy so much for coming on the show and sharing her message with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes,